I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to spend time this morning, verses 25 through 30, and a message entitled, A Year of Rest. This time a year ago, how many of you thought you'd be where you are today? How many of you thought that this past year would have played out the way that it did? How many of you went into January with goals and plans and dreams and thought, this is what this year's going to be like, 2020, I cannot wait. And about April, you thought, 2020, when is it going to be over? I mean, just think about the things that we've walked through over the last year, things that have been difficult to endure, things that we never dreamed possible. Parents, hats off to you. You turned into teachers mid-March. You tried to do work from home. You tried to teach your kids and help them log on to their classes and do those at home. We went from being able to go and pretty much do whatever you wanted to do, and then everything got locked down. I don't know if you experienced this, but I know that I experienced this over the past year, just this sense of unrest, just wondering, is that what, this what life's going to be like? Is this how we're supposed to walk through the next days? As a pastor of a church at that point in time that was meeting at a school to be told, sorry, you can't meet anymore. To be in the middle of a building project with this building and just wondering, what if nobody comes back? I think for every single one of us, this past year, has not been what we dreamed. It's not been what we intended. It's not been what we thought it would be. And so in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all that has transpired, what would it be like for us to experience true rest? True rest for our souls. Not chaos, but rest. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus spoke specifically about rest. We're going to see here in the text this morning that that is what he is going to highlight, what he's going to bring to the forefront, and we're going to unpack that together. But here's my challenge for you and for me. What if 2021 is a year of true, lasting rest for our souls? I want you to notice what Jesus says beginning in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we'd be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want us to take note of what's going on in Matthew chapter 11 leading up to this point. So Jesus has been conducting his ministry. He has been interacting with the people throughout this region. He's been performing miracles. He's been showing them and helping them begin to understand that there is something unique and different about him. That he's not just some rabbi, some teacher, but he is the very son of God. He is trying to help them see that and to understand that and for his disciples to give them this anchor for their souls. In the first part of Matthew chapter 11's fascinating scene takes place, John the baptizer who was a part of Jesus' beginning in ministry. The one who said about Jesus, I'm not even worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. The one who said that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. John at this point is in prison. John is about to lose his life. And he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him a question. Hey Jesus, Did we miss it? Are you really the Messiah that we've been looking and longing to come? John is in prison. I think John thought his ministry would have turned out a little bit differently than it did. I think he envisioned that once Jesus came onto the scene, like many of those days, that he would set up his kingdom immediately. He would rule and reign immediately in a physical sense in the world. And yet John finds himself, after calling out Herod's sin in prison, about to be beheaded. And he wonders... Is Jesus who he said he is? Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the Savior? And Jesus sends word back to John in prison and quotes from the Old Testament speaking about what he has done already. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead 
or raised? John, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you were longing for, the one that you paved the way to come. And then in light of that, Jesus looking around at those who are watching his ministry unfold, the crowds of people that were excited when he was feeding them, the crowds of people that were excited when he was performing miracles, he looks and says about them, you missed it. You missed the reality of who I am. In fact, Jesus will say, if I were in different cities performing these same miracles, they would have believed, but you haven't. And so on the heels of that in the first part of Matthew chapter 11, we arrive at verse 25. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. It's going to frame our time together this morning. And it's this reality. True rest is found in a person, not in religion. I want you to notice that the prevailing mantra of this culture and the culture in which we live is you have to work to earn everything you get. How many of you ever had someone say to you, you got to work and earn it? You got to earn it. We live in a culture that says you need to earn it. You want to go to college, you got to earn it. You want to get a good job, you've got to earn it. You want to be a great athlete, you better put in the time and the effort and the energy practicing. You have to earn it. We tell our kids, you don't get participation trophies, right? You got to earn that trophy. You don't get good grades just because you show up at school. You have to study. You have to earn it. But I want you to notice something. When it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, earning it is not what Jesus says is the way. I want you to notice that Jesus begins by thanking the Father. In verse 25, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. I just want you to take note of that quickly this morning because what he is saying is that all of the religious leaders and all of the people in this society in which these miracles were being performed would have said about themselves, we are wise. We know what God is like. We know what he desires and wants from us and how we have to work to earn his favor. We know that. Jesus says, they're not as smart as they think they are. They think they are wise. They think they are understanding. But the true way is not through earning God's favor. He says, these things have been revealed to little children. Little children. Isn't it interesting that the wise and the understanding, Jesus says, they don't get it. You know who gets it? Jesus will say this at other points in his ministry as well. Who gets it are children. 
You know how children are. Children, you don't have to really prove things to them. You don't really have to show them the full picture and the full story. But the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they wanted that. They wanted to have it all listed out. They wanted to know that we have God figured out and he fits in this box that we have created. Verse 26, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All these things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus says about the religious leaders of the day, you think you've got God figured out, but you've missed the glaring reality that God in the flesh is standing before you. You think you have this religion thing figured out. You know which box you need to check. You know how many times you've got to show up at church. You know how many times you're supposed to read your Bible. And if you can just check all those boxes, you think that you've got God's favor and you're on God's good side. But Jesus says, no, the only way to the Father is through the Son. So the question then is, how Do we get to the Father through the Son? Jesus tells us, verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're taking notes, write down this truth, rest in Jesus instead of working to earn his favor. I want you to notice that what Jesus says would have been the opposite of what the wise and the understanding would have thought. The religious leaders of Jesus' day would have thought, no, we have to check the box. How do we earn God's favor? How do we know that God is pleased with us, that God likes us? Well, we have to check the box. And what's interesting is that the box for them was not just the Ten Commandments. In fact, they had created additional laws that they needed to check the box on. And so they had this whole system and this whole framework. And they had built a system in such a way that they thought that they were the only ones who could ever measure up. And Jesus looking at them, but also looking at the crowds around them, says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I see in this Jesus' heart breaking. Jesus is heartbreaking that these people that he is spending his life seeking to show the reality of who he is, that the religious leaders have so led them astray that they are missing the Savior standing in front of them. That they have so adopted this mentality of religion, which religion says, here's what you must do to earn God's favor. What does it take For God to be pleased with you, what does it take to earn his favor? Well, here's a list. I don't know about you, I love lists. I don't like general, vague things. 
Give me a list. Some of you, when you were putting your toys together for kids, you're like, I don't need the instructions. I'm not going to follow these. You have six screws left over at the end. It's like, I'm sure it's fine. Not me. I want the instructions. Because someone knows how to put this thing together. And they wrote instructions, and I want to follow those instructions. And so for these people in the culture around Jesus, the religious leaders had put the instructions in front of them. Here's how you earn God's favor. But Jesus comes in and rips up the list and says, you can't earn God's favor. You cannot do enough good works. You can't live a righteous enough life to please God. So what's the answer? Jesus says, me, I am the answer. So here you are working and seeking to earn God's favor and he describes that in this way, all who labor and are heavy laden, who are burdened down by trying to earn God's favor, trying to check the box, never knowing whether or not you've done enough good to earn God's favor and to get to heaven, Jesus says, that's not it. You're like a rat running in a wheel. You're exhausted. You are worn out. And here's what I'm telling you. Come to me and experience rest. I don't know about you, but that's good news. It's good news that Jesus is telling them You don't need to work to earn God's favor. You need me. You need a relationship with me. Come to me and experience the rest your souls are desiring. Now let's think about that in just a few ways. One of those is very clear, very simple, and it's this reality for us that as we sit here today, none of us are good enough, righteous enough to earn God's favor. You and I can't do enough good works for God to look at us and to say, man, I need you. In fact, Jesus here is trying to help us recognize and understand that regardless of how hard we work, regardless of how long we run in that wheel, we will never attain what we need and that is utter perfection in God's eyes. What does it take to have a relationship with God? It takes being perfect. None of us measure up. None of us attain that in our own strength and in our own power, which makes what Jesus is saying here all the more pertinent for us. How then do we attain perfection? How then do we measure up? It's only through Jesus. That's why Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What your souls are longing for can only be found in Jesus Christ. So 
So if you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus as your Savior, you may have come in thinking you can do enough good things to earn God's favor. That maybe that God's keeping a report card in heaven on your behalf and you're like, I've got to have pretty much A's. And I want you to just know that it's F's down the line. Because the standard that God has is perfection. And you and I can never meet that standard apart from Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is able to measure up to the standard of perfection. He lived a perfectly sinless life. And Jesus, knowing here that he was going to go to the cross, says, you want to know how you find rest for your soul? You want to know how you get off the constant treadmill of trying to measure up to what you think God desires? It's a relationship with me. Come to me. Experience the rest. If you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can get off that treadmill today of trying to measure up in God's eyes and simply come to Jesus. Experience the rest for your soul that he provides. But as we look, I wanna remind you as well, believer, that this is what you've experienced. You know, it's sometimes easy for us once we trust Jesus as our savior to, to think that Maybe we really did bring something to the table. To think that maybe there is something really special about us apart from Jesus. And I just want to remind you that what Jesus is communicating here is the reality that happened in your life. That as a believer, you didn't earn God's favor. It is solely because of what Jesus did for you. Which means for us that when it comes time to worship Him, when it comes time to celebrate at Christmas and at Easter and every single day during the week, we look and we go, man, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was totally a gift given to me. Why is Jesus deserving of worship? Because he did what we couldn't do. He accomplished on our behalf what we could have never accomplished. And here, we're reminded once again that our souls are at rest, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Not only do I want to encourage you to rest in Jesus instead of working to earn his favor, but I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't stop. In verse 28, he continues. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is is light. I don't know if you recognize what Jesus just did, but Jesus just flipped the script from what we think we know. 
Most of us are not farmers. Few of us may be, but most of the farmers who may be here ride tractors. Some may have plowed with mules. But this is an agrarian concept and idea that Jesus' culture here would have understood completely and it would have it would have caused them to pause for just a second and say, did he say what I think he just said? Because what he said in verse 28 was, come to me and I will give you rest. Then he turns and says, here is what you need to do. No, I don't know about you, but rest for me usually doesn't look like work, amen? When I think about rest, I think about vacation. When I think about rest, I think about walking away from work for a season, for a period of time, and not having to think about that. And yet what Jesus says here is, come to me and experience rest and work in the way that I've called you to work and continue to experience rest. I want you to notice the second truth. Rest in Jesus' word instead of carrying a load you can never bear. Jesus says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now, some of you are thinking, what in the world is a yoke? Like I know what a yoke is when there's an L before the K, right? That's an egg, yoke. But what's a yoke, Y-O-K-E? Well, it was an instrument that was used when people were farming, that it's a piece of wood that would go over an animal. And it would allow them to hook up to that animal and to plow a field. So think about what Jesus is saying here. I will give you rest, but then he says, take my yoke upon you. Well, hang on just a second. I thought we were resting. Now we're talking back again about working. Something about that doesn't seem to add up. And it doesn't in our mindset. It wouldn't have in their mindset. But here Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And in taking my yoke upon you, and in learning from me, in realizing who I am, you will find rest for your souls. So I want you to notice what Jesus is doing here, because for this culture, they would have had looked and recognized what Jesus was saying at the beginning. Okay, what Jesus is saying is, I can't work to earn God's favor. I have to come to him And it's only through a relationship with him that I can experience God's favor. Okay, I've got that. But certainly after I'm a believer, after I've experienced rest for my souls, then I have to work to keep God's favor, right? Jesus says no. In fact, what Jesus is saying here is that walking in relationship with him is not work. Again, it's not checking a box and keeping a list and after we're saved, trying to earn God's favor as if we could. 
What Jesus is saying is, no, when you realize that a relationship with me not only makes it possible to be in right relationship with your heavenly Father, but, listen, a relationship with me is not work at all. In fact, a relationship with me is rest. So we look and we say, hmm, how then do I find rest in a relationship with Jesus? Like I understand it at the beginning, but what about day by day? I mean, pastor, aren't I supposed to read my Bible every day? I mean, I'm supposed to pray, I'm supposed to serve, I'm supposed to plug into a life group, I'm supposed to come to church. Like, those are tasks that I'm supposed to accomplish. But here's what I want you to recognize and what Jesus is saying here is walking with Him in relationship with Him is not work. In fact, it is experiencing rest for our souls. So Jesus says... Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Well, I wanted to give you just a simple and practical way. How how do we do that? What is one tangible way that we can learn who Jesus is and what he's called us to do, that we can experience rest for our souls in this next year? You have in your handout this morning, and if you didn't get one, I know there's some more that are on our table There's also some extra copies of this, but here is a Bible reading plan. You say, Michael, I thought you just said we didn't have to check a box. There's a bunch of boxes right there. No, here's what I want you to know. One of the realities that we find out is that as we spend time in God's word, we find rest for our souls. Jesus says here, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Well, the greatest way that we can learn from Jesus is spending time in his word. See, Jesus said on the road to Emmaus to two of the disciples, he says, all of the scriptures are speaking of me are pointing people to me. So as we read through the Old Testament, We are reading about the promise that God has made in sending His Son, Jesus. As we read through the Gospels, we are reading about Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we read through the letters in the New Testament, we're reading about God's work in the world through His Son, Jesus. So if you want to experience true and lasting rest, spend time in God's Word. There is nothing greater that you or I can do to learn about who Jesus is and what he's called us to do than spending time in his word over this year. And so, I want to challenge you. If you make no other goals for 2021, to commit to reading through God's word over the course of this next year with me. Just imagine if every single one of us took 10 to 15 minutes a day over the next year and read through God's word together, imagine what that would look like. Imagine how much more deeply we would fall in love with Jesus. 
Imagine how much more deeply we would fall in love with his church. Imagine how much more deeply we would be convicted to live on mission in this world in which he's called us to live. How much more deeply would we find rest in the midst of chaos? See, one of the things I love about Jesus here is he closes this out by saying in verse 30, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Is it difficult to follow Jesus? He says it's not. He says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Believer, find rest for your soul over the next year. If you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ, today you can experience rest for your soul. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Give us an opportunity this morning to respond to God's word and God's spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and have never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, you came in thinking that you have to do something to earn God's favor. You have to live perfectly. You have to do enough good things. I hope this morning that what you've seen is that there's no way you can do enough good to earn God's favor. There's no way that you could do enough righteous things that it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ on the basis of his righteousness that you can have a relationship with your heavenly father, that you can experience rest for your soul. If you know that that's a step you need to take this morning. In just a few moments as our band plays, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat, to walk to the back into the foyer, and I'll be back there. And I'd love to take that opportunity to lead you in a prayer of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. If you're here and you're a believer, I just want to remind you of the great gift you've received, of the rest that you've experienced because of what Jesus did for you. And as we sing in just a little bit, I want to encourage you to sing from the bottom of your heart in praise and adoration and amazement in thankfulness for what Jesus has done for you. And I want to challenge you to commit this year to spend time in God's Word, to learn more of who Jesus is, to fall in love with Him every single day more deeply than the day before. 
in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a crazy world in which we live, that your soul is at rest. Because that's what Jesus promised. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the chance we have to respond to you right now. If there's one who needs to take the step of trusting Jesus as their Savior, would you give them the courage in just a second to step out of their seat and to make their way to the back in the foyer? Father, for the believer here, would you help them to sing from the depths of their hearts in praise to you? Father, would you help us to commit as your people at North River Church to devote ourselves over the course of this next year to your word, to resting in you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us? And if you need to take that step, would you meet me in the foyer?